0: Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of BAM's Radio here tonight. Uh, It's a very exciting time, December the 21st, with the day after the first day of the early signing period, the first early signing period in college football recruiting. Got to be honest with you. Felt very bizarre yesterday on December the 20th, five days before Christmas, to be doing signing day specials and talking recruiting. Uh, But uh, that's the way it is right now. They've changed the rules. The University of Alabama uh, with a top five, top six class uh, after the early signing period. And really, it's not over with. It will be – that could easily change in the, for a positive with Alabama. We'll talk about that tonight. Uh, there is one more day tomorrow, December the 22nd, for Alabama to sign some more players. They did not sign anybody today, but 15 players signed yesterday for the University of Alabama. They will have 23, 24 if you count the blue shirt tied in, Michael Parker, who will he's going to be a subject for us tonight as well. Uh, young man that I've spoken with on my show, Talking Ball. Now on 97.7 the zone in Huntsville, I know his father as well. I got a chance to talk to his father uh, at the Alabama basketball game, the Rocket City Classic this past Tuesday. They're very excited. But we're here at BAMS Radio uh, with my cohort, Thomas Watts, my co-host, and the wizard behind the curtain does a great job producing for us and also co-hosting. And then our third amigo, always William Redfish Barger, uh, 1992 national champion from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, and, of course, one of the foremost sources uh, when it comes to the program, Nick Saban and Alabama football. William, Merry Christmas to you, sir. How are you tonight?
1: Merry Christmas to you, Drew. I'm, I'm doing great.
0: And, uh, Thomas, always good to speak with you again, too. Got all three of us together. First for you, William, uh, I know you've followed recruiting since you went through the process yourself uh, in, the, in the mid to late 80s. Uh, and Tom Lemming and those guys were – uh, you know, just getting this the industry cranked up. But your thoughts on this first early signing period, I'm not a big fan of it. I kind of hope it's a one-and-done kind of deal. If they tweak it, I'm kind of on Dabo's level where I think it should, could be in August and then February. Now, I know Nick Saban and others have said in August, you know, some kids may sign and then, you know, kind of, you know, not worry about their senior football seasons. But, you know, scholarships are, you know, it can be you know, voided. You know, you can you can put some, you know, some things in place to where that's not going to happen. But uh, in reality, even if they didn't have an early signing period for football, I wouldn't mind it if they just went back to the old way after kind of seeing how this is being handled. But your thoughts on uh, first of all, them having this early signing period and now how we've seen how it operated.
1: Um, you know, I think obviously when you look at how it's all, you know, played out, I think it's going to change. Number one, it's not going to stay, um, the way that it was, you know, for for the inaugural year, um, you know, I, I think that, that there is a benefit. But like you said, um, I think probably you, if, if, if it does stay in place, um, there needs to be some tweaks made to it. Um, like you said, you know, you might need to, you know, hit the rewind button and move it back to August. Um, where some guys can get it out of the way in August, you know, go into their senior year without the, uh, you know, the pressure that comes with it and uh, let them get it out of the way before they start their senior football season. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I look at it like this, you know, it's a big business. Um, You know, I think that, you know, the NCAA attempted to try and do this and make it, you know, more player friendly, um, you know, whether it's become that, I don't know, I, you know, I'm not involved in it right now um, from a, from a coach or a recruit standpoint, but um, you know, it is what it is. And, and, you know, I think Alabama has gotten some really good players, uh, you know, inked in and, and, you know, you know, tied into the, the 2018 recruiting class and, you know, we'll see how the rest of it plays out.
0: We will, and I just wanted to break some news. Uh, It's been rumored tonight. I think it just went official, but, of course, uh, it kind of gives me a headache because I haven't started breaking it down and and studying it. But the 2019 class has got its fifth commitment as Kathleen, Florida, safety. uh, I believe it's Brendan Gant committed to Alabama, William uh, He's a guy that Florida State had wanted very badly, uh, but Brendan Gant. We don't, of course, we don't know how. You know, this is non-binding, but Brendan Gant commits uh, to the University of Alabama. Hell, I don't
1: even know who he is, Drew.
0: <laughs> I'm about, I'm about um, like you. Some, somebody. I will say this: somebody tonight sent me a message on Twitter and said a safety is about to pop from out for Alabama and Florida, and I thought it was Cortez Andrews, and of course it wasn't even Cortez. I studied him a little bit. He's from Tallahassee. Uh and uh I think Godby High School and he's a heavy-leaned Alabama, but uh this is a different uh young man that I have not been uh you know, haven't studied and been really I, I don't know a whole lot about. I agree with you.
1: Well, but you know, I think if you talk about that 2019 class for Alabama, um, especially with Alabama fans that are, you know, have kind of been on an emotional roller coaster um for the 2018 class, I think something that you know, that they can find comfort in is, you know, that that, that Alabama's already off to a great start uh, for the 2019 class. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, four or five commitments, you know, the number one running back in the country. Uh, You know, they've got a, uh, uh, you know, a top 50 offensive tackle and Pierce Quick. And, And when you start looking at, uh, the state of Alabama for, for next year, you know, when, when we're talking about this year's class, I felt like, you know, two years ago um, this was a really down year for talent in state, um, you know, for Alabama. But when you start looking at what's out there um, for the 2019 class, you've got uh, three very good quarterbacks, um, you know, in Bo Nix, uh, Paul Tyson, and, and, or whatever his name is, Tagliavola. Um, so, you, you know, and then you've got, uh, you know, Pierce Quick, uh, you know, the, the uh, what's the kid's name from Oxford? You know, I should remember his
0: name. Clay Webb. Clay Webb.
1: Clay Webb, and then, you know, Amari Kite down here in Thompson, which is only a, a couple of miles from my house. Um, you know, that's, you know, a different ball game from what's there. Uh, Right now in the state of Alabama for 2018, um, you're talking about, um, you know, let's take the quarterbacks out of the equation. You're talking about three uh, offensive linemen from the same state that are all going to end up being top 50 players. Um, And there's a very good chance, depending on how, you know, the recruiting services want to grade them, um, that I think could all end up being five stars. I think Pierce Quick, um, you know, the kid from Oxford who's already, uh, I think, in, you know, in one recruiting service, like the number six player in the country, uh, Clay Webb, and-, and Amari Kite, you know, who's six foot seven, 300 pounds, um, you know, coming out of his junior year. You know, that that's just not something that's normal for the state producing those kind of elite players. So, um, you know, Alabama's got a chance to really capitalize on, on those two positions. And, you know, I think that's something else, Drew, that's, you know, kind of coming to the surface um, in recruiting right now. Um, that is, you, know, you know, I think Dabo Sweeney is, is the one that's kind of, you know, put this thing on the forefront is, you know, if you want to be a college football playoff team, um, you know, I think Dabo's kind of the one that's put the stamp on this. You better sign one of the top quarterbacks, a couple of the top wide receivers, and a couple of the top defensive linemen in the country if you want to continue to be, you know, in the college football playoff talk. And I think he's kind of the one that started this recipe two or three years ago. And that's kind of what I'm starting to see right now. Um, you know, on, on the recruiting front, you know, um, you know what, what Georgia's done this year, you know, impressive. Um, you know, it wasn't like Mark Rick didn't recruit well when he was the head coach at Georgia. But, you know, Kirby Smart's kind of taking it to the next level. Um, and, you know, as, as you get into uh, what's going to happen in, in the recruiting grounds over there in the state of Georgia going forward, I personally think with Jeremy Pruitt being, you know, the new head coach up in Knoxville, um, you know, you can't win at a high level if you're the head coach at Tennessee or the head coach at Georgia unless you win uh, the in-state recruiting battle. Um, You know, go all the way back to uh, the late 90s when, you know, Phil Fulmer hired Rodney Garner to be his recruiting coordinator at Tennessee – and they strolled down to inner city Atlanta and signed, um, you know, a, a future NFL uh, first round draft pick at left tackle and Cozy Coleman, uh, Jamal Lewis, and Dion Grant. And, you know, that was kind of what, you know, put Tennessee's program over to the next level. And it was what's kind of, uh, you know, what got Jim Donnan fired as being the head coach at Georgia. So, You know, I think we're all sitting back watching, uh, you know, what's going to happen, you know, going forward between, you know, two former coworkers in Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby Smart. But that's going to be one hell of a battle uh, going forward for the top talent in the state of Georgia. And, you know, if you want to look at it from an Alabama perspective, um, it's not going to hurt Alabama one way or the other. You know, let's don't forget the best player that Nick Saban in ten years um, has signed out of the state of Georgia. You know, Nick's never been uh, talent dependent on the state of Georgia. Uh, was a was a, a lowly three star offensive guard named Chance Warmack. You know, that's the best player um, that Nick signed. You know, from the state of Georgia. But I think this Jeremy Pruitt Kirby Smart battle royal is going to be something that's fun to watch. Um, the NCAA might, set, might need to set up a satellite office in Atlanta uh, to, uh, um, you know, officiate uh, the stuff that goes on between Jeremy and Kirby. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think Alabama is in a position where they're recruiting from coast to coast. And I'll tell you this right now, you know, the thing that jumps off the page to me, Drew, um, who's left in the uh, – the pole position. Who's going to get hurt by this the most is Auburn.
0: Yeah, they could. Uh, no doubt about it. With Jeremy, he's a great recruiter and evaluator. And Kirby, uh, they're they're going to sign the best class in Georgia history. They got the number one class right now. They added Luke Ford today. Uh, but speaking of Luke Ford, you know, I was in uh, a group message uh, on uh, uh, on a group me message, and there were some guys this morning complaining saying Alabama had mismanaged Luke Ford's recruitment, and that's just not the truth. Uh, The truth is, and this is what I I, I got. No, and and, and the thing, what I'm going to say is, I I had this theory, and I was exactly right because I went straight to the horse's mouth. And that's as much as I can say, but a source very close to Michael Parker. And, you know, once Alabama started evaluating tight ends in the cycle, there was one that they really liked and Saban loved and Dable loved, and that was Dominic Wood Anderson. But he's a nut, and he basically handled himself in social media like the Jonathan Kongbo of offense. And we'll see if he's a better football player than Kongbo. Tennessee better hope to hell he is. But anyway, he, he commits to Texas first after committing to Alabama and Louisville. Then decommits, and then is telling Tosh LePoy, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. He postpones it yesterday morning, and then finally yesterday afternoon on Twitter commits to Tennessee. And you know, and you don't really blame him because Tennessee's depth chart right now is in you know the uh, the, the wolf guy, the Wolf brothers, I believe, are gone. They, they have their depth chart is barren. Uh, he can play early and quickly. Uh, now Alabama, they've got a lot of tight ends back, but see, they also identified Michael Parker, who is six foot five, almost six six. He can run between a four six and a four seven. The only reason he wasn't ranked highly nationally is because he didn't go to any camps and combines. The only thing he did was go to universities and work out for coaching staff. Auburn wanted him badly. Purdue wanted him badly. And we know Jeff Brown is a really good offensive coach. UCF, Scott Frost, pretty good, 12-0. They offered him, too. He had some outstanding offers, got some more, a lot of interest from other SEC schools, but was waiting on Alabama. And when Alabama green-lighted him and with the blue shirt offer, and that's why he didn't sign yesterday, he took it. And he has two brothers on the, in the program, uh, including Jacob Parker, who, was, who went through graduation ceremonies this year. You know, he's got another brother that will still be on the team. They're both walk-ons on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, they, it's one of those things where he, he's the Alabama family. They wanted to come to Alabama. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that they thought that Michael Parker and Luke Ford were basically the same prospect. And that's why they took Michael Parker and stopped uh, recruiting Luke Ford, really. He, he, they, would, they would not have taken Luke Ford today. So Michael Parker and Luke Ford, William, and I know you've heard the same, are the same player. And in some ways, Michael Parker is also an outstanding basketball player. He may have a higher ceiling than Luke Ford.
1: Um, and I don't want you to think that I'm jumping down your throat about this. Um, when I when I make this next comment, but I, I totally disagree um, with the comparison of Luke Ford to Michael Parker. And That's and fine, I'm why. um, you know, you know, you saw the post that I put up on the Facebook page today about this is why recruiting sites sometimes lie to you. Um, listen, Luke Ford is basically Hell Hinges two point
0: um, yeah, I can see a that. Guy
1: that. runs a four, he, He's a guy that runs a 4 nine forty. You um, know, I, I was talking to this, you know, I was uh, really trolling some of my Georgia buddies today about it that were crowing about, you know, them getting the so-called, so-called you know, number one tight end prospect. Um, Luke Ford is no different than Hell Um He's a guy that is limited athletically. Um, he would be better suited to bulking up and becoming an offensive lineman at the college level. There is absolutely no comparison to him, and this is where you know I go back to what we were talking about when recruiting sites lie to you. A lot of people have Luke Ford rated either number one or the number two uh, tight end in the country. Um, most people have you know the Parker kid from Huntsville. As the number forty-three rated tight end prospect in the country, and, and this is where you have to either know somebody um, that can explain this stuff to you, um, it, that that is not the truth. Um, Michael Completely Parker, agree. And Michael Parker is a kid that's understandably so, and I don't disagree with the recruiting sites on this. He's getting dinged because he played uh, small school, you know, Brody Crowell football.
0: Uh, Private school ball, yep.
1: Yep, I get that. But when you look at – and this is where um, you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Um, A friend of mine that I think is one of the best evaluators of college – of high school football players um, in the country pointed this out to me, and he said, listen don't look at the high school film. Go watch them both play basketball. And I did that this morning. And when, when you watch them both dunk a basketball, there is no doubt in my mind that Michael Parker is the much more athletic prospect than Luke Ford. Hands down, Luke Ford should, if Jimmy Johnson was a college football coach right now, um, he would sign Luke Ford and tell him, "Son, you know, you, you might you might play tight end for me for you know a semester, but guess what? You're going to end up being a uh, an offensive tackle or an offensive guard." Uh, Michael Parker has elite athleticism. Um, just just by watching him, you know, dunk a basketball, and I think Alabama got the better end of that deal. Um, you know, if that's somebody that they can, you know, blue shirt or gray shirt, more power to them. That being said, um, you know, I'm sitting here trying to figure out a way to, you know, gauge it as a win for Alabama, Drew. And then I have to go back to, you know, two national championship games ago and, and look how O.J. Howard was utilized in the game plan um, with those three big plays that he made. And then mm-hmm. I sit there and I go back and I'm like, well, yeah, uh, he was the hero of that national championship game along with Marlon Humphrey. Um, we didn't build on that the next year. Uh, we wasted, you know, one of the best tight end prospects I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, you know, we get Michael Parker, uh, you know, are we going to utilize him? It, it doesn't do the program any good and it's not a recruiting win unless he's going to get utilized. Um, But as far as the Michael Parker versus Luke Ford uh, debate, hands down, uh, I don't give a shit what the the recruiting rankings say. Alabama got the more athletic player um, out of those two guys.
0: And, and and again, that's what I was saying as far as, uh, uh, you know, upside, I guess when I'm saying the same guy, I'm just saying that, uh, a guy that should have been a four-star prospect. I should have phrased it better, but you're right. I do think he has a much bigger upside than Luke Ford. I felt like Ford was overrated. Both of them are works in progress as blockers, uh, and I've watched Parker play live. He didn't block all that well. They split him out mostly as a wide receiver. The team he played on wasn't super talented, though they did make the playoffs. Uh, he probably had his worst game as in his uh, of his senior season when I watched him against Madison Academy because he dropped an eight, what would have been an 80-yard touchdown. But then later on, when they played against Sacks, I think in the playoffs they lost in the first round. He still had a he had 160 yards receiving. He also plays for a legendary high school basketball coach, Ronnie Stapler, who has really helped him with his footwork and his uh, ability and to get better and get more. Uh, you know, uh, they, they they do a good job of you know working on fundamentals, flexibility. So it's going to help his football career too. And I think this kid, William. He'll blue shirt. He'll come in in red shirt. But within two years, and that's when the depth chart will start opening up. I think this kid could be a, a big time steal for Alabama.
1: If the, if they you know if they have a an offensive coordinator that decides to utilize him, Drew. And, and this is what I told my buddy, um, you know the the Georgia fan that was crowing about you know Luke Ford's signature today. I, I said, listen. You've got a former number one tight end prospect already on campus. I'm talking about, you know, Nata. Isaac
0: Nata. yep And
1: I said, and I said, not a shit's all over Luke Ford from an athletic standpoint. I don't understand why you can't see, uh, you know, the difference between the two uh, from an athletic standpoint. But I, I'm I'm very excited that, that Alabama. Um, you know, made the decision to take Michael Parker. Um, you know, I've, I've watched him play football. I've watched him play basketball. Um, you know, you, you don't come across a lot of guys that are, you know, six foot six, two 240 pounds, that have body control, um, that can make the catches. You know, what, what the real eye, eye-opening experience was for me was watching him because um, I, I did it to this morning at work. I watched him dunk a basketball, and then I watched Luke Ford dunk a basketball. That's the, you know, the great thing about the internet with YouTube is you can compare these guys and make an evaluation off of them. And I can promise you this, and this is not sour grapes on my fault with Luke Ford. Um, if if you stuck a gun to my head, you know, right now and said. Uh, Luke Ford or Michael Parker, I'm taking Michael Parker all day long and every day but Sunday.
0: Yes, sir, and I agree, and that's Alabama without counting Michael will sign 24 players. They, they are going to sign 23, Jerez Park, Savion Smith, already going through bowl practices, uh, Jerez practicing with the outside backers and on the scout team, and Savion Smith, who will be very important in the spring, uh, working out with the corners, but Uh, We're going to see, you know, the rest of this class. William, your your thoughts. Uh, They signed 15 players. I thought probably one of the biggest uh, developments, because they had to keep him away from Athens, Georgia, visiting there in January, was getting the signature of Christian Barmore, who was in a huge position of need and is one of the fastest rising defensive tackles in the country out of Philadelphia.
1: Oh, huge, huge, huge. And I think that's... uh... You know, the the Barmore kid and, you know, with what Tosh Lapoy has been able to do, uh, not only with Barmore, but what he's been able to do out there with uh, Bobby Brown and his mother, um, who I think is going to sign tomorrow with Alabama. I that's think that a... changes the whole – go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say that would be huge. And what I was going to add to that is I've talked to someone that's spoken to the mother on a regular basis, and – Bobby, I don't know if he'll do this, William. Now the coaching staff will want him to, I'm sure. He has the option of enrolling early. He's passed enough classes. He's been leaning toward doing the summer deal, but I know Alabama, without a doubt, wants him to commit and, and sign tomorrow. But it will be interesting to see if they can talk him into enrolling early because depending on what Daron Payne does, because he's going to be a right now, he's a second round pick. He could come back to school, but depending on what he does, Barmore and Bobby Brown could be very important next year. I, I, ideally, they they they'd want to either redshirt them or, you know, work them into the lineup as backups and have them ready to go in 2019. But Bobby Brown, I believe I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm almost positive he has this option. It would be big if he could come in early, but regardless, even if he just signs with Alabama to get him in the fold with Christian Barmore, when the defensive line class has kind of been in flux and then hopefully have the flexibility in February to add another defensive lineman, like a Tyler Friday or a Malik Langham, the defensive line class looks like it could be very, very good.
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you something, Um, you know, the Barmore kid is somebody that reminds me of Raquan Davis uh, Clinton Dial I mean he's a very powerful guy at the point of attack he's very explosive but but the difference between you know Barmore and Bobby Brown is this Um Bobby Brown's a guy that can put his foot in the ground and change directions anywhere you want him to go he is a Jonathan Allen clone um, and I think you know if if things work out, and, you know, we all know it's recruiting, it's fluid, it can change um, in the next 24 hours. But he is expected to sign with Alabama tomorrow, and if he does, I think he changes the whole dynamic um, with this Alabama recruiting class because he's a guy that is, you know, a quick-twitch guy that is, you know, kind of a, I would say a cross between a Deron Payne and a Jonathan Allen type player. Um, you know, Barmore is more of a, you know, uh, Raquan Davis, Quentin Dial type guy that, uh, you know, occupies a blocker. you know, clogs the middle. You know, both of them are, are needed. Uh, both of them are, are great players. But this Bobby Brown guy is a different cat. Um, makes this recruiting class look that much better. And I agree with you, Drew. Um, This is my hope, Um, you know, going and looking at the recruiting class. You know, if I was Nick Saban, you know, nobody's paying me $11 million to make this statement, but I I would kind of, you know, maybe stay pat with, uh, you know, you know, Jay Barker's uh, son being the, the, the you know, the quarterback for depth in this class. I'm not a fan of a guy being hen-packed at, at, you know, being a offensive lineman that can only play offensive guard, and I'm talking about Penae Sewell. Um, you know, let him go to Mario Cristobal at Oregon. Uh, you know, pray that, you know, Brent Key and, and Mike Loxley and Joe Penunzio can pull the deal uh, with P- uh, Petit Feree, you know, sign an extra defensive lineman, um, you know, parlay that for next year with that great offensive line class that's going to come in from in-state and, and maybe get one more extra either defensive lineman or, um, you know, the, the two needs in this recruiting class are, uh, interior defensive linemen and corners. Um, I think that gives them, and you know, this is what I was told today by a coach on the staff. Um, you're going to see the recruiting button get re-hit, uh, you know, once the the playoffs are over, and they're going to really focus on, uh, you know, getting the guys that they really want uh, between you know, the college football playoffs, whenever that ends for Alabama, whether it's versus Clemson or in the national championship game, up until national signing day in February. And, you know, they've got a really good opportunity, I think, to to fill their needs. And, uh, you know, I think Savion Smith has proven himself to be a guy that's SEC ready. Um, you know, I've been told that uh, Jalen Armour-Davis, is another guy that can, you know, factor in next year. They feel like Josh Job um, is a little bit more of a project. But, you know, dude, it's it's really fun to watch and see, um, you know, how Nick Saban's putting a recruiting class together that a lot of people think is a little bit off the mark because it's not the number one recruiting class. But the thing that makes me laugh during more than anything is – Looking forward to the 2019 class that Alabama already has, I think, five guys committed. The number one running uh, running back prospect in the country, Um, four other guys that are rated uh, no lower than, you know, one, two, three, or four at their positions in the country. Great times to be an Alabama fan.
0: Well, I was going to go over this, too. You know, William, someone asked me this on Twitter last night, and I had already been talking to a good mutual friend of ours about it. And we were playing with the numbers and, you know, what Alabama might do from this point forward. The big unknown is quarterback, because I don't think they're going to take James Foster at uh, Sydney Lanier. He's more of a project. Uh, you know, he's he's gotten Please a lot God of no. interest. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. They decided not to take Emory Jones who went to Florida. They liked him almost really more as an athlete and safety anyway. So, there could be a quarterback emerge, but like you said, there's also the option to do the Braxton Barker from Spain Park. Uh there's another young man in Arizona, I think, that uh they've looked at could be uh, you know, uh, a situation where he could be an invited walk-on. So, that could be the the, the avenue they go to. But when you look at it and you see the last uh a few spots uh, for Alabama. Uh, I was just looking at that uh, yesterday, and I tweeted it out. And one of them looks to be joining the fray tomorrow. We talked about Bobby Brown. And they've got 15 commitments and really 16 when you talk about Michael Parker, but they're going to sign 24, so that means eight more. Uh, So, and, and, And Michael Parker, of course, would be added in August. But you look at it, Bobby Brown would definitely be one. Uh, they definitely want Jalen Waddle and Justin Ross, uh, and they, I think they feel pretty good about Ross right now. Though a lot of people are talking about Clemson, but let's get real here. He's the number one prospect in the state of Alabama. All right, and if Nick Saban wants him and the coaching staff wants him, uh, it's going to be tough for Clemson to come in here and get the kid. Now, Jalen Waddle had been a heavy Alabama lean, but we know what has happened with Jimbo Fisher, and they've got a seven-on-seven coach in Texas who uh, May is trying to direct him to a And M. But you know, my thing is he could have already committed. A and M could have signed with him already. Alabama going to keep working that situation hard. Getting Bobby Brown could actually help. Uh, and I know they want Big Vernon Jackson. He's committed. Uh, they wanted him to sign early. He still could. We, we don't know if that's going to happen. But I know A and M is trying to work him hard. But they feel good about him too. And Tosley Poy. If Tosley Poy is involved with the kid, good luck to you. And he's involved with yeah. Big Vern. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, and the, the thing is then that leaves the kind of the swing positions. That leaves, to me, where you can't take more, probably more than one. And I know there's been some talk, and you had talked about them taking two offensive linemen, the Petit-Friere and Panay Sewell. But when you look at the numbers, unless they miss on one of the wide receivers or, or another position, it's going to be tough to do. And you, to me, they have to take either or. I I agree with you, though. I put Panay Sewell first because they've had such a great relationship with him. But if you can get Petit-Friere – and they can get him on campus. And right now, a lot of people think Alabama leads. Nick Saban thinks he's a first round pick, and he's an offensive tackle. And you know, you need to identify the future. I know Alex Leatherwood's got a lot of potential, and so does Jedrick Wills. But Jedrick could move inside to center, he could move to guard. He's very versatile. If you think Petit Friere is a first team offensive tackle, like an all American type and a first rounder, you take him. And to me, that's one of the swing spots where you take Petit Friere. And then the other swing spot to me uh, is outside linebacker and inside backer. You need to take at least one more linebacker. Uh, they led for a long time for J.J. Peterson, but now he's connected dude, so, so heavily to Jeremy Pruitt. So Tennessee is really making a push. Quay Walker has been committed a long time, but Georgia and Auburn, especially Georgia, trying to make a push for Quay. So uh, to me, you have to choose either or with one of them. You need to get one of them. Can you keep Quay on board? Are you, are, are, or can you get J.J. Peterson on campus and convince him, like, Jeremy Pruitt's a great guy, J.J., but we can get you to the NFL faster than him because it's going to take Coach Pruitt a little longer to surround you with enough talent. So that's what's going to be the ultimate deal right there with J.J. Peterson. So to me, that's another either-or. And then the other either-or is what you talked about with defensive line. To me, Alabama needs to take one more defensive lineman, even if they get Bobby Brown, because they're so hard to find, And you've got two guys that are prime candidates, Tyler Friday, who's already visited, uh, who's from Don Bosco in New Jersey. If Alabama were to bring in, uh, you know, uh, Chris Partridge, who's so big in that area, maybe that could swing Friday to Alabama. But there's also a kid that I love in the state, Malik Langham. I know you really like him. To me, I would like to see Malik Langham be the other defensive lineman because he's low risk. He's from the state of Alabama. This class, the, the, the group in the state this year is not very good, but he's a guy to me within a year could be a, a really nice player for you, a good academic kid too. And so to me, I would take Malik Langham. And then the other one is defensive back. Some people have said five DBs, but you got to understand that uh, Jerome Ford could be a DB, and I've heard that. And he's a guy, Nick Saban loves his athletic ability because they can go and get a couple backs next year you know, Jerome Ford could, not saying he will, but he could get a look at safety. He's a versatile kid, even Xavier Williams. So to me, you take one more DB and you try to see if you can, we know who number one is Tyson Campbell. Can they get him away from Miami, get him on campus at Alabama? That's going to be a tough battle, but you also have Isaac Taylor Stewart and we mentioned Tosh LePoy and Tosh is connected to this kid. So good luck. They could get And to me, you need to get one of those two between Tyson Campbell and Isaac Taylor Stewart. Uh, so, and to me, and that then that would be your eight guys and, and, you know, and then there might even be some more tweaking if they find a quarterback. But again, we talked about that being maybe a walk-on scenario. What are your thoughts on those, some of those names I threw out?
1: I mean, Drew, I, I, I the only way I can tell you this is, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, you sound just like the, uh, Alabama staff member that I talked to today at lunch with the way you broke down the rest of the positions for this class. And, you know, kudos to you for figuring it out without inside information. Um, I I think you've nailed it um, with what Alabama needs to do. You know, to me, I think the way they go, uh, you know, go forward is, you know that they've addressed their needs for this class um should there be a quarterback uh, you know no not not any of these guys that are out there um i i my hope would be uh you know take jay barker's son uh you know make him be the depth guy the scout team guy um you know sign another legit uh defensive tackle um you know, th- does does Panay Sewell factor in? Uh, you know, I would let the the cards go. You know, let let Mario have him because I'm not a real big fan of signing an offensive lineman that can only be impacted at one position. Uh, you know, Petite um is a you know a generational player. Um, that, that, that will be a first-round draft pick, I promise you, um, in the next five years uh, coming out of Florida. Um, I think Alabama's in a great position, um, you know, with Florida's offensive line coach getting hired away uh, from Dan Mullen. Um, you know, let, let's just wait and see how it plays out. But, dude, I think you've got a great handle on how – this this recruiting class is going to play out going forward, especially after the college football playoff, uh, you know, gets off, and you know we'll see how it all goes. But you know, I'm going to put my trust in Nick Saban.
0: Well, and the reason I said something about Millie Glangham too, William, you know how politics can get involved with this. They they've, right now they've only they've got Michael Parker committed, uh, you know, and he and he's. And he has a chance, like we said, even as a blue shirt, to be a really nice football player, uh, you know, for uh, the University of Alabama. We, we, we love his potential. But when you look at it and you look at the list overall, the only other t- kid from the state of Alabama is Jalen Armour Davis. So if you get Justin Ross and Malik Langham, at least you have four. You have four guys from in-state and everybody loves to root for the in-state kids. And to me, of course, I'm a little biased. I'm in the Rocket City of Huntsville. But it would be nice <laughs> to, to have another guy uh, from the city of Huntsville at Alabama to go on to follow in the footsteps of the Reggie Raglins and and what we've seen uh, from the Rocket City, Chris Andersons. Uh, there's been a lot of good players, Wes Neighbors and his whole family, a lot of good players from this area come to Alabama, Hoss Johnson. So it would be nice to have another and also – Alabama missed on Trey Flowers, and I just keep thinking about that, you know, from Columbia, who is uh, going to have a no, great no, 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 no. with the Patriots. It's
1: my fault for not making this more of an emphasis. No, no, no. Alabama should take uh, Malik Langham. Uh, no, no hands down. Uh, I don't care what the situation is. He is a very good football player that should be a part of this class. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody I can compare him to. Yeah. um, And I can't come up with it. But, no, he should be a part of this class. Um, Long, lean, he's got the length, he's got the power. Um, I've talked to, uh, just like you have, his head coach, um, where he's been a a basketball guy that, you know, Mm -hmm. Almost like, you know, Henry Ruggs from Montgomery, um, where you get them and, and you, know, they, they, you know, they fall into, uh, you know, the basketball model. Uh, no, I, I want Alabama to take Malik Langham uh, regardless of what happens going forward with this recruiting class because I think he is a guy that's got the, the length, the explosion if you put him in a college weight room he's going to be a very solid college football player.
0: Well, and uh, as you know, too, William, uh, his uh, father is uh, related to uh, a famous teammate of yours uh, with the last name. Sure he is. Yeah, so a cousin of Antonio Langham. So he's got good bloodlines. He didn't start playing football until the 10th grade when his uh, coach, Tony Woods, who I knew coach Woods when he was at Huntsville High. He coached Cameron Tony and Grant Hill. And got to give a special shout-out to Grant Hill. We know he didn't finish his career you know, like everybody wanted him to, but he had some issues off the field. Still a great young man, and he got his degree this past December. Glad to see him graduate and get his degree. I still think he had NFL talent, but you know, I just don't think he loved football. And, again, he had some issues off the field, but we are still proud of Grant Hill for doing that. And Coach Woods was a big part of the program at Huntsville High then. He's done a great job the last few seasons at Lee turning them into a playoff program and he saw the athleticism in Malik and coach Woods played uh, for Houston Nutt at Arkansas so he's he uh, he's been through the SEC he knows what an SEC athlete looks like and I agree with you William I think Malik Langham with the year he had over 100 tackles 11 sacks a ton of pressures uh you know coach Woods told me basically in the preseason we talked with him on our uh in, on our uh, Bob Walsh Plants coaches show during the season and he just said I said, well, Coach, when did you realize uh, Malik Langham was going to be a big-time SEC prospect? He goes, well, we were in preseason work this spring and summer, and I saw him pick up an <laughs> offensive lineman with one arm and body slam him. So I figured uh, he, he'd, he'd turn the corner, So, uh, and he was re- really starting to take to football. So I think Malik should be a part of this class. I like Tyler Friday as a prospect, but – I'm more partial to the kid in state, and I don't think Alabama's going to take two more defensive linemen. And it doesn't look like they're going to take a JUCO. There wasn't one that worked out. Trimble did not have a good year up at American River. Uh, they they looked they kicked the tires on Antoine Jackson, but I think he's going to go play for Urban after leaving Auburn. So I think you know, I, they, and I think Malik's a high character kid too. I think he's a good fit. And William, if those guys that I mentioned to you, you know, sign with Alabama even with all the hemming and the hawing and the complaining and, and oh, this class is not coming together. to me it's still a top three class nationally behind uh, Georgia and Ohio State. Meets the needs and is still going to keep Alabama, is the I think, the most talented roster in college football.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, they, they had needs to meet, and it was on the defensive line. Um, it was in the secondary. Um, you know, I think you'll see them hit the reset button you know, after the the college football playoff is concerned, and you know they're in a very good position to get you know one or two more defensive linemen, one or two more you know DBs, and you know if that's what that's how it works out, then it's been a huge win for Alabama. Um, you know, no matter where that that recruiting class ends up. You know, it really isn't about um, the perception on a national level um, where it turns out. It's where the needs were met. And I think, you know, Nick Saban does the best job of anybody in the country of meeting those needs. And I expect that to be um, how it turns out, regardless of how the college football playoff works out.
0: The college football playoff will be a big topic of conversation next week. We'll hear a lot from Thomas Watts, William, and myself uh, for that special. Uh, we were wanted to talk a lot of recruiting today, and that's what we've done. But, again, we've talked about it. But, William, before as we're wrapping it up here the last few minutes, I've got to talk about who I think the best player in this class is. And once I watched his senior film, I just thought he was a freak of nature. I think uh, he's – I'm not sure I'd take any defensive prospect in the country over him. Uh, based upon watching him, because to me, he's another guy that was a basketball player that didn't come out for football until last year, had 20-plus sacks both years at a powerhouse program in St. Francis in Baltimore. Michael Oxley knows all the coaches over there. Alabama did a great job of getting in on this kid. I think he's going to play on third down next year and be a future star, first-round draft choice, but I am super excited about Ayabi Anoma. I'm hoping he's going to be Tim Williams' uh, 2.0 only improve, a better version that plays hard every down and maybe, hopefully, doesn't have the off-the-field issues?
1: Um, You know, I, I think he's more physical than Tim. I, I would say he's uh, Terrell Hall 2.0.
0: That's a, um, And that's a great point, too. Yeah, I think so. I think he's going to be a well-rounded player. Good point.
1: Yes. And, you know, we can't judge, you know, Uh, Tim uh, 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 Terrell Hall or um, Christian uh, Miller, you know, because of the injuries that they had versus Florida State. But, no, to to address your point, um, I think I totally agree with you. Um, He's the guy that can, you know, press the pocket, uh, collapse it. Um, He can duck his shoulder and and get back there to the quarterback. Um, Glad to have him. I think he's a huge pickup for Alabama, and we'll see what
0: happens going forward. We will. And, and then to to kind of wrap it up, and I don't know if you agree with me, but just looking at the class as a whole, uh, of course, I think Emil Ekior's got a ton of potential, can be a great player. I love Jerome Ford's potential, whether it be offense or defense. I really like the ball in his hands. I think he can be a, a Kenyon Drake-type running back. Stephon Wynn is a guy that kind of reminds me of, of uh, you know, of uh dalvin tomlinson but the, the the one the one that i'm excited about that i think is underrated and i like it because dable kind of picked him out as did nick saban he's got a chip on his shoulder he was kind of overlooked during the recruiting process as a weapon for alabama uh, that can maybe do wildcat quarterback things uh running back and slot i really like the potential as a sleeper for slade bolden
1: oh man i mean there's so many things you can do with him um you know, I guess that's the, uh, you know, the question for Brian Dayball as to what he can, you know, manufacture out of him. But good Lord. Um, I think he's probably, you know, Drew, the best way I can put it is he's probably, uh, you, you can fill this gap in for me. Uh, what was the the white uh, tailback for LSU, you know, during Nick, post Nick, during Les Miles. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 uh, really.
0: uh, yeah. He was a he ended up. Yeah, I know, I know exactly you're talking about. He ended up being a fullback uh, on the on the next level uh, with the San Diego Chargers, and he he was uh, he played at Evangel Christian uh, in yep. uh, in uh, in Louisiana, and I remember because Nick Saban uh, basically when he when he first took over the job uh, with uh, with LSU. Like he was, it was a, it was funny because, uh, he, uh, because he, um, he was, he was committed to Texas, and I think if I remember, uh, correctly, uh, he, uh, they, uh, they had him, I think, rated, you know, the recruiting service, were services, uh, uh, but he was rated like I want to say, uh, two, uh, two stars, and they didn't, they didn't really think he was an impact guy. And uh, I remember Nick Saban went to, you know, before they had the bump rule, he went to watch him work out in practice. Uh, and, I, and, he, and I think as soon as he left the practice, uh, he, he turned and he, he told somebody, he's like, I want Jacob Hester. He's like, he's a football player.
1: Jacob Hester, there you and,
0: go. And he, uh, and he ended up being I, a I great player. Yes,
1: I think uh, Slade Bolden is a combination of Jacob Hester and
0: Hunter Renfro. That would be quite quite a uh, combination there. Because if you remember, William, in that 2007 Alabama LSU game, Kareem Jackson looked like he was going to r- return an interception for a pick six, which may have put Alabama with an insurmountable lead. And Jacob Pester chased him down. And Alabama did not score. I think they may have got a field goal out of it. They didn't score a touchdown, and it ended up being a huge turning point in the game. Uh, Jacob Pester was a great football yes. player, and they won the national championship. Uh, no doubt about that. Well, everybody, we're uh, going to kind of wrap it up uh, here uh, on this edition of BAMS Radio. It's been a quick hour, but it's always fun talking recruiting. Uh, next week, we'll delve back more in, in depth into the matchup, Alabama and Clemson, Chapter 3. Thomas Watts will bring a lot to the table there. I'll have some sauce, and, of course, William will. Uh, but we always love our listeners. Uh, we want to thank everybody for che- you know, checking out our podcast. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, roll Tide, we're all going to have our you know, fingers crossed, our toes crossed for Alabama to you know, get back to the national championship game uh, and uh, face the winner of Georgia and Oklahoma. If it's Georgia, boy, that'd be uh, the, the storylines would be plentiful with, uh, uh, with the protege from Nick Saban, and Kirby Smart, and how their program mirrors Alabama so much. But uh, also Alabama hadn't had a lot of success against Oklahoma lately. It would be a chance to kind of redeem some of that. But we'll break all that down. I was honored to be at the Rocket City Classic in Huntsville this Tuesday. Alabama got a, a too-close-for-comfort win, of 79, over the Mercer Bears. I will be in attendance tomorrow night in Birmingham for the Vulcan Classic third annual event. Alabama has lost to Oregon and Clemson in this event. Hopefully they can get it done against Texas. It's a big game tomorrow night. Tons of NBA scouts there, Colin Sexton and Mo Bamba. But looking forward to that. But everybody have a Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, We're going to have another outstanding podcast. Everybody, roll tide, and we thank you for joining us. uh, For William Barger and Thomas Watts, we'll talk to you then uh, next week in advance of the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, Alabama Clemson Chapter 3 in the college football playoff. Roll tide, and good night.